The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. There's so much talk recently about showing up with our whole selves. This is true for personal relationships and increasingly within the workplace. But what about in the healthcare sphere? Are patients using social media to take a whole person view of their emotional and functional needs? That's what we're going to talk about today um, in this episode of the Provoke Media podcast. I'm Arthi Shaw, executive editor at Provoke Media and host for today's episode, which is also part two in a series that we are doing in partnership with MMC about influencers in the healthcare space. So part one, which I'll link to in the show notes, uh, explores some eye-opening findings from MMC's influencers and healthcare survey. But on today's episode, we are going to talk directly with an influencer. Um, So we have on today's episode, Shonda Foster, who actually, I should correct, does not identify as a healthcare influencer, but rather a generalist who shared her, her health journey, which we'll get into in just a moment. And we'll have a link to this as well, but her Instagram is Shonda Sound Off for those of you who want to who want to go visit that. Um, we also have Christina Austria, who is an SVP at MMC um, on today's show. Welcome, Shonda and Christine. Thank you so much for having me here today. Yeah, happy to be here. Yes, well, I'm I'm really excited. And 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 Shonda, this, you know, I I teased this in the beginning, but Do you want to tell your story about sort of, you know, how you, you know, did you intend to become an influencer and, you know, what was that journey like? And then tell me how that intersected with, with your story about, about your health. Oh oh my gosh. Okay. So I actually was not looking to be an influencer, I guess. Um, It was about around the time that the influencer kind of got this strange tag attached to it where it was like you know attention seeking you know all of these things that were you know just not me and um i had just to go rewind i was diagnosed with stage three endometrial cancer in 2012 and people kept telling me that i should tell my story but i was kind of like you know it's a little personal i don't know if that's you know something that i'm looking to do right now but i will say around uh, 2018, 2017, 18, um, I just started to notice that there weren't that many people that were, that looked like me or identified, you know, as I did that were in the same space. And so I just felt like I really needed to, to share my story and just talk about some of the things that I, you know, had dealt with and some of the things that I'm still dealing with, you know, um, in terms of an illness or healing from that. And so uh, I took to my Instagram and I kind of used that as sort of like my unofficial blog to be able to kind of just, I don't like to use the word like overshare, but just to kind of talk about some things. And um, it seemed to really resonate with a lot of people that uh, were following me or people who were, I just felt like people were searching for something. So, you know, you go through the hashtags and you're looking for things that you know, I don't know, like you're looking for like red sweaters. So you go to the hashtags and you're looking for red sweaters. Well, people were looking for endometrial care or uh, endometrial cancer or cancer survivors, things like that. And then somehow they landed on my page. Um, And so I started to get more followers that way and people who were actually engaging with me. And through that is actually how I was introduced to MMC. Um, 
someone found me there and we kind of got into talks about you know opportunities of sharing my story on a larger scale and that's kind of what brought me here wow so you know so you were diagnosed in 2012 and then so you really didn't take to the platform to tell your story until until 2017 2018 so there was there was definitely so it wasn't sort of like you were live blogging the actual um story um exactly well, well i will also say too during that time i had had uh quite a few recurrences i'll say like you know maybe like three reoccurrence recurrences and so i i have a i was diagnosed with stage three endometrial cancer but in 2012 but in 2013 i was diagnosed with colon cancer as well like the beginning stages of it and so i'm happy to say that i'm in remission now um but you know that's quite a lot to 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 try to process during that time and i think it did take that time um in order for me to kind of be able to to, to speak about it but around that 2017 2018 time it was kind of like enough is enough i think people need to really hear about this and this is just what i'm going to do you know and um it just it felt really good to be able to do that right and so christine i'll, I'll bring you in and sort of how your world collided mm -hmm. in just a moment but shot i have just one more follow-up and that's you know you you referenced you know that you know sort of finding that comfort zone in terms of a what you want to share and when you want to share it and mm -hmm. I was wondering a little bit in terms of, you know, I mean, obviously that's a personal decision that each person, you know, makes for themselves. Um, but how did you navigate, you know, sort of putting yourself out there, but also probably protecting certain parts of your life as well and certain things that you were going through? That's such a great question. Um, you know, I had a really great team and team by team, I mean, family, Team Foster. Um, <laughs> Uh, around me and you know I, I talked to you know some of my really close friends and family and was like you know I wanted to start talking about this and kind of get the conversation going what do I share and how much is too much to share because that's a big thing too and you you know a lot of oftentimes when people are dealing with traumas sometimes you do this thing called trauma dumping and um I kind of talk about it in a, a video that I'm in the process of kind of working on but uh that's a real thing. And so you don't want it. You want to be careful to not do that. And so I had some very close friends um, and family kind of putting an in input and just kind of, you know, saying, well, how about you touch on this? You know, and what do you feel comfortable talking about? And I kind of had to take the time and weigh that before I even began. And even now, I think um, there are times where, you know, I'll start to share something and I'll be like, you know, maybe I can kind of hold back a little bit from that, you know, and just, I think it's a day-to-day -day process uh, if you are gonna be in the influence space, just, you know, on what exactly you want to share and and how. Right, uh, so well said. And I like that, like, that, you know, trauma dumping, right? Like that, 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 is, a, that, that is real and it's, it's so nice to be aware of that. Um, Christine, just kind of bringing it to you, um, do you wanna talk a little bit more about sort of how MMC discovered Shonda and what that process was like? Yeah, so we were working on a new initiative that was aimed at driving awareness, disease awareness of endometrial cancer. So we were finding that endometrial cancer was one of those other women's cancers that was on the rise, but not really being discussed. Um, and what we also found was that it, it, it was also on the rise, particularly around the Black women. Black women. So we were looking at ways to educate this community and reach this community in an authentic way. 
mind you, this was also during the time COVID first started. So, you know, in-person events and things of that nature weren't really in the picture. So we were relying heavily on a digital first approach. So that's why we really look to influencer voices to help spread the news about this new initiative to help drive the dialogue that didn't exist for this specific cancer and really leveraging those authentic voices. So when we were on the search for, for who would be appropriate and who would be the perfect fit for this, Shonda's name organically came up because you had an authentic tie, you had a personal story, um, you had people who were engaged in the conversation. And I know for you, it was a little bit, um, you know, you were a little hesitant to tell your story, but those authentic stories is what drives other people to also share their stories. And I think that's the beauty of, of influencer marketing in the healthcare space is, is, is having those authentic stories and authentic voices to drive that conversation and encourage other people to also speak up and take action. Can I, can I ask you also, I mean, what was the engagement right, for, for both of you, you know, in the middle of a, you know, or, you know, at the start, I guess, of a pandemic, where you know people you know screening for cancers seemed to take the back burner right especially in 2020 um people were afraid to to go into their doctor's offices and i know there's been a push in 2021 to sort of remind people that okay please you know come come and do all your screenings now but i'm just curious like what that was like to sort of get that story out in 2020 and what were some of the considerations that you had to navigate you know asking people to screen themselves for this like knowing that you know, people were trying to avoid doctor's offices if they could. Yeah, so it was really focused on on having people aware of what the symptoms were, because I think there's this stigma and there's this bias that exists about below the belt issues that women just mm -hmm. aren't talking about, you know, no matter what age. Mm -hmm. um, so being aware of how some of these symptoms could be mistaken for, for other diseases and just being aware of it and knowing your body, being in tune with your body, and you know raising the question to, to your doctor so if it's not seeing your doctor in person it's at least you know maybe it's a telehealth visit maybe it's a phone call to your doctor to at least get that conversation going and knowing when to speak up or if it's not talking to your doctor it's talking to another woman in your life who you know you think that you should be sharing this with um, who could also provide an opinion to maybe encourage you to to talk to your doctor about those symptoms Yes, the, the 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 taboo on below the belt issues is very real. In fact, we did a conversation um, at Provoke, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago now, about women who were who were marketing um, in in this space. You know, for women's health, whether it was technologies or or, or pharmaceuticals, and how difficult it is because social media, um, not from, not organically, but if you do a paid push on social media, they heavily censor what you can say, and you can't use the proper term terminology for a lot of body parts um and and so I, I i wonder did you guys run into that at all as part like did you guys have to use more euphemisms when talking about symptoms and talking about things or were you did you feel like you actually um maybe given the nature of of the content that you didn't have to to navigate around that i think based on the nature of the content that wasn't an issue but i'm curious shonda if you had ran ran into that issue for any of your content for that. You know, a lot of people were saying that uh, there was so much censorship. I didn't experience any. In fact, I felt 
that I experienced a lot more, many, many, many more people came, um, even if it was like sliding in my DMs um, <laughs> about, about just, you know, symptoms and those things. And it, I was really, you know, just listening to you talk, um, I was astounded by the amount of women who are just really the, just the miseducation on what's going on with symptoms in our bodies, because, you know, for example, a heavy period to them was signified something that was normal, mm -hmm. but to us, you know, in our, in the healthcare space, we are all, we were, that's alarming to us, you know, now that we know, now that we've all been, we've all been informed and now that we're, you know, in these different spaces and, and actually know what to look for. Um, but I, in terms of that, I, I didn't, I didn't feel any or didn't uh, notice any, which is great. Yeah, no, I think that is good. That is good. The, um, when we previously had this conversation, one of the speakers, um, she was CMO at a company where they do um, pleasure serum for women. And, you know, I mean, that's vagina and vulva and orgasm and things like that, that, you know, she was finding there were there were barriers to being able to use that, that mm. those words. Um, mm. I think period is okay. Um, so, but so, so it's on the on that note about content, um, Shonda, I'd love to hear about like, so what content did you find that folks really resonated with? Like what, you know, you admit, you know, you, you talked about authenticity and um, was there any narrative threads that you felt like were really powerful or that sort of had an unexpected response from your audience? I think the things that um, that resonated the most with people or got their attention were, you know, in the beginning, um, I was I was using actual photos of myself, you know, and you go to my Instagram and most of the, you know, everybody wants to look so glamorous and beautiful and, you know, it's great and you see these people with like their makeup and their hair is done and then, you know, you scroll and you see a picture of the same person that, you know, maybe was many years ago and they're like a shell perhaps of what they look like, you know, or you're seeing just very real images. And I think um, people that knew me that had heard about what was what my health issues, but didn't really weren't really around to experience it and experienced it through those photos and those images were really, really affected by that. And then also, you know, the other people, many other people met whether they had someone who'd gone through something like that, or, you know, was dealing with an illness or they themselves were dealing with an illness. Those were the ones that really, um, I believe really struck a chord with people. And also the wording that you're using, because I'm very forthcoming with uh, everything that I've experienced. And, you know, I put that into words and, and just reading that, you know, I felt like it wasn't, I wasn't getting people who would stop on the post or just keep scrolling, like they would stop and they would actually read it. And some of those, Christine, you know, those posts weren't the shortest. So mm -hmm. to get people who were actually really engaging and actually reading through was really, um, it felt really, really amazing for that. And so I think that when we lead forth with um, these types of talks and talk about content, though, that's what, that's what we really need to lead with. Yeah, I think I think it's great that that you brought that up because what we found too specifically with your content is that you really connect with your audience. Like you're real, you don't sugarcoat things and it feels like you're talking to a friend and that you value their advice. And I think that's the type of content that these communities are yearning for. They're yearning for someone like them, someone who has experienced it, someone who understands. Um, so there's that level of empathy there and there's that level of realness and rawness that you that you offer. 
So not having content overly staged or posed. And I think that's really important when it comes to healthcare influencer um, content because that's the kind of people that are that are reading your content. That's the kind of people that that you're trying to reach. Christine, I think that's such a great point. And I love that you use the word raw because I think that's what we don't see. Uh, you know, that when you think about it in an, an influencer on Instagram, right? That is what you think of as those overly staged photographs um and images that you know you know that there's that that's not the full story right um and so shonda i i think that's really you know open and vulnerable to be able to to put yourself out there um in in that way did i mean do you find that do you find that there for every time that you did that like did you feel like you needed to balance your page or like or how like how were you trying to decide like what you wanted the overarching narrative to be were you saying all oh, right this is just going to be raw this is what this is what we're going with right now or did you you know or like how did you did you have a content strategy i'm guessing or an editorial sort of arc or vision that you had and that you were executing on or, or, was, it not that, or was it not that that like you know thought out or was it more just sort of in the moment um, if I can be honest, uh, I began, you know, going into influ the influencer marketing space, um, wanting to have a vision. But then what I found, especially particularly with 2020, was sometimes I woke up and I just was like, I don't even want to post. I don't want to talk to anybody, you know, and I think that it's really important for us to have those moments, because what I also found was it's very easy to become obsessed with what your page looks like. And I didn't want to be one of those people that, you know, only posts the images that are, you know, just constantly preaching to people and, you know, constantly talking about illness, because I don't think that when you're dealing with an illness, that's, that's realistic. No one wants to just be, you know, have that conversation 24 hours a day. So I, you know, I did think it was um, really important to balance it out with just who I am as a regular person, who is someone that's, you know, I love comedy. I'm constantly laughing about things and, um, and I'm just trying to enjoy life. And I think that is the message of my page. It's just how to enjoy life. You know, we want to be realistic about it. We want to be able to, you know, learn as much as we can, give advice, take advice, but we want to enjoy our lives because people who are dealing with those illnesses, some of them don't have much of a choice but to do that. Um, and so that's just kind of how I approached my page. It's it wasn't any, you know, I, I'll say the most planning that I use is um, in the actual caption, which would take some thought because I wanted it to be thoughtful. But other than that, you know, it's just day by day. I, yeah, I'd love to that point about authenticity. So I, I wanted to also ask you about what it was, you know, what it's like to be a black woman influencer um, for, for so in the beginning, it felt like the influencer space was really a certain profile of demographic. Um, and and it, I think that's evolved. So I am curious to know both your experience as a black woman influencer and then as a black woman um, influencer kind of focusing on on the healthcare space. Can you share a little bit about what that's been like? Sure. Um, I so I I started to really want to become more of like a lifestyle influencer. And this was prior to the health, um, the healthcare side of it. This was actually kind of in conjunction because they kind of happened at the same time. So you know, I started doing more influencer work on the healthcare side, but then I was on Good Morning America. And then there were people that were, you know, like, oh, would you want a partner to do this? And partnerships would pop up. Um, and so I didn't see many people that looked like me. Um, 
But what I also noticed is that people in the marketing space were more interested in the personality behind the influencer. Um, and it was really interesting to go to, you know, I'd go to like blogger events and um, influencer events and be the only one there. And now I'm starting to see more, you know, the opportunity has started to open more. But I also um, realized that there's a method behind the madness. And so some of us in the, the diverse world don't necessarily know or understand the method to the madness. And so we have to, we really need to know that. That's like the one thing that kind of holds us back um, from being able to, co to cultivate these relationships and partnerships. Now that I know more, I get offered more, you know, and, and the more I put myself out there and I am more authentic and just kind of being my own self, not trying to be someone else I'm not, I find that that's attractive to brands and, and other companies that are looking for, you know, faces. Yeah. Christine, did you want to chime in on just in terms of what you're, what you've observed in terms of how the, the diversity of, of the influencer space has evolved? Yeah, I think from a healthcare standpoint, it definitely has evolved because in healthcare, it doesn't affect one specific type of community. Illnesses and diseases affect people of all walks of life. And in order to be relatable, you need to you need to tap into those voices in those communities. So I have been seeing a lot more of diversity in, in the influencer space, diversity and inclusion uh, to, to make sure that we are capturing those voices that re actually represent those people in those communities. So I, I want to wrap up on a question about this re relatability piece and and, you know, Shonda, you had mentioned partnerships and you know, there's obviously been been some backlash to influencers and, 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 you know, that all the content's paid. How do you strike that balance between, you know, A, you know, doing paid partnerships and B, you know, like making sure that they are authentic and that you are, you know, doing a service for your followers. And then also like in, in balancing that with that sort of earned content that, that people, I mean, you know, frankly, sort of trust more, right? Um, right. I don't know if you'd hear, love to hear from both of you all in terms of like Shonda, how you do it on a day to day basis in your with your own blog um, in posts and then and then Christine also sort of how you kind of balance that kind of from a higher level. Shonda, do you I want to love, I love that you um, brought up the things that, you know, being able to have that trust with your followers or in and the people who are reading your content, because that that's like the most important thing for me is I would never I don't like to feel that I have to push something just because it's paid or something like that. So for me, I, I, a lot of times, actually with everything, I, I always weigh it out. I like to find out about the company. I like to find out what their brand message is, who they are, you know, as a, as a brand before I even get involved. And then I just can't feel comfortable about <laughs> using something, you know, to push sales or something like that, that in telling other people to do it if I wouldn't do it myself. So it's really important. And I think the other uh, fact is, you know, influencers that a lot of them, that's their job. So they've got to make money and some capacity. And I do see you, you, you just have to find a balance, whatever it is, whatever it means to you. But if it's something that's off brand for you, your followers are going to know and they're going to notice it. Yeah, no, excellent. I mean, you're right. And, and you're right. It, it's, 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 it's a living for a lot of people. And so, um, and I think that that reality set in, I think it took, like, I think there was an adjustment period, but I think that has set in. Um, Christine, I'd love to hear your perspective as well. You know, it's the same thing on the other side, on the client side too. It's, you need to make sure that you're finding someone 
who is essentially a spokesperson, someone who's speaking on behalf of your initiative that aligns with the same values and the same messaging and the same passion that the company has. So if, if all of those things don't align, then it's not a partnership. You know what I mean? So you really need to find and vet based off of what their interests are, what type of content they've been posting. Does that align with the company's values? Does that align with the company's uh, messaging for that specific initiative? So it is making sure that it's balanced on both sides. So I think that's probably the most important thing when, when trying to identify the right influencer partnership that, that would work. And also because it is a partnership, yes, and we are in the pharma space, there, there are regulatory um, kind of restraints that we do need to work within. However, we, we also value and um, understand that the content we're pushing out on an influencer channel is their, that's their asset, you know? So we need to make sure that we are striking that balance between what we are able to say from a regulatory standpoint, as well as uh, maintaining that authenticity that this influencer provides for us. You know, I think that I'm really glad that you brought up that, that regulatory piece because that, that that is crucial, especially when <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I know we need to wrap up, but I realized we didn't say where everybody is. And I think people can tell by my, by my background. It, I am, background, it's, it's not real, but I am, but I am in the Bay Area. Um, Shonda, where are you, where are you joining us from? I am located in Boston, Mass. Ah, nice. Okay, so East Coasters and Christine, where are you? I'm based in Orlando, Florida. Oh, wow. I know that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, we, we, we have a lot of, a lot of ge ge geographies represented here today. Um, <laughs> And, and so thank you so much, Shonda and Christine. This was this was so great. And Shonda, I'm so glad that you're 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 doing well and 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 you look great. Um, thank and, you. And you know, I'd love to continue this conversation at some point. I think this is a really interesting and evolving space. So thank you, Shonda, and thank you, Christine. Thank you and, so much for having me. Yeah. yeah thanks for having me. And thank you, Shonda, for for everything that that you've contributed for this initiative, it has really gone a long way for this community. So appreciate the work that you do because it really is meaningful. Thank you so much. I will have to say MMC has been fantastic to work with. I've worked with a couple, a couple of other people and um, just being able to be who you are and not feel like you have to change for a client has just been like next level for me as a content creator. And I'm sure for you also too, you know, on, on the client side. Well, that, that very, very nice shout out to MMC there. Um, well, well, and we, we will be back again soon with another episode of the Provoke Media Podcast and of episode three of this three-part series with MMC. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.